Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 188 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Dave Bellevue from Oxymorons, I just want to remind you about all of the features of MistressCarrie.com. Not only can you find every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and every episode of my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, but you can also check out the concert calendar, my blog, get the links to all my socials, and send me a message right here in the studio. But you can also shop in the online Mistress Carrie store. Find all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. Last year, I went and saw Corey Taylor on his solo tour in support of his latest album, CMF2, and one of the bands that opened up was Oxymorons. And at the end of the night, that was the band that everybody was talking about. A few months later, I was at a rock radio convention in Las Vegas, and Oxymorons were part of it. And over the course of the weekend, I got to know DKI, Maddie, and Jaffe. And let me tell you what. The guys from Oxymorons are an absolute blast. I still have no idea how many pina coladas we drank poolside on the roof. Oxymorons released their latest album, Melanin Punk, in October of 2023, and they just got back touring with the aforementioned Corey Taylor in Europe. The band is getting ready to make a bunch of announcements for their plans for 2024. And I caught up with Dave right before the end of the year. Actually, to be honest, he forgot to call me and I tracked him down at a coffee shop. We talked about their special brand of American hip-hop and rock fusion, their new album, how they tackle songwriting and their inspiration, what he likes to grab late night at truck stops, going to law school, his new holiday traditions, and he's even planning a wedding this year in between tour dates. If you have not seen Oxymorons yet and you haven't heard the music, you've got to check these guys out. They are amazing. So allow me to introduce you to Dave D. Bellevue from Oxymorons. Dave! Oh my God, it's so good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? How are you? How are you? I'm doing great. Sitting here in uh, Brooklyn, New York, having a coffee, actually having a flat white to be exact, an oat milk flat white. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's espresso with, a, it's, okay, so latte with a lot less milk. So imagine like a latte with just like a, a baby latte. Okay. Because so, I don't like a lot of the, uh, the milk, so I'm just like, you know what, shot of espresso, it just gets to the point a lot quicker. 
I'm uh, not that fancy of a coffee drinker. And I'm one of those weird people that drinks iced coffee all year round most of the time. So. Oh, so you're identical to my fiance. Yep, that's what she does. Ice co- I think we had this conversation too when we were on the on the roof of Vegas. I think we had that conversation. Like nothing that we have now discovered another thing you both do. Yeah. <laughs> so for anybody that doesn't know who you are, you are one of the singers in the band Oxymorons, who I met yeah. uh, mid twenty twenty three. Well who I saw the first time mid-2023 opening up for Corey Taylor. Ah, uh, yes. And then in the fall, you guys were in Vegas at this rock radio convention that I went to, and I got to see you again, but we actually got to hang out a bunch. And you guys, we had so much fun, and I say we because you guys hit it off with my crazy husband. Yes. Oh, your husband's amazing. Tell him I said hi, too. He's outstanding. I Tell him I said what's up. Absolutely. So I knew eventually I was going to get you on the show because there's so much going on with the oxymorons. It's like you guys are everywhere right now. Oh, my God. It, it honestly feels surreal. It feels surreal because uh, you kind of sprawl in this space of it, which we still are because we still got a lot more work to do. Still an opening, uh, uh, up and coming band. Um, but just to, to, to achieve the things we've been able to achieve and to play the shows we've been able to show with like, these are like we're we're our peers are like the people we grew up listening to. <laughs> it's really really crazy. It's surreal. Um, and we're all just really really excited. Honestly, to tell you the truth, it's we can't believe we're here. I know we work to be here. I know we work to do a lot of things, but we can't believe it's happening. And we're trying to just like enjoy it while we're in it. I had this conversation with Tim Montana not that long ago, and I feel like unless you're a Beatle eventually in your music career, you're going to end up in a room where you're like, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> and that's where we're at right now. Exactly. Literally. How the hell did I get there? Uh, we just did Europe with Corey. And um, yeah, so after the, so, the shows you saw, Son, he invited us for Europe. So we're the first people he ever took back to back on anything. Um, and we're in Europe with him. And I remember stepping out on the stage in Tilburg and, uh, and it was 6,000 people. And I literally was like, <laughs> oh shit, how the hell did I get here? Like, like legitimately just like forgot that I was on stage. It's like, <laughs> and it was just, cause it was surreal. I think it all just kind of hit me like, what? Huh? And so just like, all of this is still surreal. All of this is insane, um, but I'm enjoying it. And, it. and it's been incredible. Not only are oxymorons everywhere, but you guys are part of this kind of wave of music that is not defined by genre boundaries. Yeah, yes, yes Which yes, is yes. really, really exciting because anybody that's lived through trends in rock and roll, but in other genres as well, it becomes... It becomes incestuous and it becomes to the point where it starts to eat itself because a trend gets exhausting. So whether you're talking about the 80s hair metal or grunge in the 90s or new metal in the aughts or whatever you want to call it, like musical trends, it seems like one band gets famous in that genre. Everybody gets signed. Every band sounds like that. And then everybody gets sick of it. And what's happening now is that there's all these bands that are like, well, I'm going to take a little bit of here and I'm going to take a little bit of here and we're not going to sound like anybody else. And 
2023 and 2024 to have a band that doesn't sound like anybody else, that's pretty spectacular. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we're 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 proud to be in this space of uh of the genre vendors that's kind of reshaping rock music in general. Um any everything has everything evolves. One of the things that um we always speak about as a band is that um rock ha- hasn't been evolved due to just uh, uh we all have the things we love and and, and this there's a this uh, a bit of gatekeeping and people just like really sitting in the things that they love and always understand um that as things grow and progress, they absolutely will change. Um, that's just, that's inevitable. That's evolution. That's something we're constantly going through right now, literally. Even in this conversation, our lives are literally changing because we're making history as we're in progress with it. So uh, when it comes to rock music, we uh, that's how we feel. This this is, guitar-driven music is in our souls, just like anyone else's. Um, it's just, it, it, it inspired us to do what we're doing right now. Um, all of the old, all of the older music, we're not uh, a lot of the times we hear like, oh, the young guys don't care about the old. We study you guys like we study all that stuff in order to make this sound as authentic as it is. Do you realize how much we love classic rock music and how much like, we had to? But just like you guys were inspired, we're inspired and we go, hey, um, yeah, you inspired me, but I'm also an artist and I'm going to take your inspiration and I'm going to create something of my own. And I think that's the beauty of music. I think that's the beauty of it all, that that we can all just create. And uh, I understand the consumerism and uh, labels and all these other things that are entwined in the business and um, pushes us in directions. But at, the, at its very core, we're all artists trying to create something and put in something into the world. And I think um, doing that as uniquely as possible is really important. I think to understand the music that you guys make now, I think it's really important to kind of go back a little bit to where the band came from to understand the roots of it. So can you talk about where you guys met the four of you and, and what you were kind of listening to growing up? Uh, Well, growing up, we were listening to a married of everything. Um, For us, we're all New York city kids, but we all met at various different times. Uh, Maddie, uh, okay. I was my brother literally. So we met at birth. Oh, well, no, I'm older than him. So I came first and then he came shortly after. (laughs) How how much is the age difference? Just a four year difference. Nothing crazy. We're not we're not that far apart, and that's why we're so close. Trust me, doing this with my brother is like probably my, the best thing in the world. Like, yeah, and you couldn't ask for more because we're really really close. And then Maddie, uh, and, and in fact, it's funny with Maddie. Maddie, uh, Maddie came in second. And, uh, well, third. Maddie came in third, and he was just like, he's Maddie. He's exactly what you see. Um, and also he's a musical genius. He went to Clive Davis music program. Like he knows his stuff, but he's also the goofiest and the most fun and the most electric per- drummer we've I've ever been around. I've never seen got- a drummer <laughs> happier to play the drums than Maddie. Maddie's loving what he's doing a hundred percent of the time. And I can say that literally there's, and you've seen it. There's not a moment on stage where Maddie isn't having a good time. Even if something's going wrong, Maddie's still having a good time. It's crazy. I love it. I love it. And Jaffe, he's just, uh, he's been a, a, a just a, a musical force in New York in general. Um, we met him the, uh, the last, the la- we met Jaffe last. And uh, he just, we met, it's funny, ha, this is serendipitous. Uh, we met at a coffee shop. We sat for three hours. I'm having coffee right now. We sat for about three hours and just talked about music um, and all of life experiences and the things that we shared. And then uh, we knew we wanted to create something really, really cool. And we wanted to do something groundbreaking. So we knew we had to push the boundaries. And um, growing up, we listened to everything from reggae to uh, to metal to conga music. I don't, dude, you name it, we listened to it. My dad, like Phil Collins, was constantly in my house. Billy Joel, like um, I'm talking about everything. It's not just hip hop. And then all the plethora of hip hop you could have possibly been exposed to. 
especially coming from New York in my neighborhood with my brothers, with my older brother, who like, it was a super hip hop head, who, which is the funniest part, super hip hop head, but the, is also the person putting me onto Metallica. So it's, like, <laughs> so it's like, there's just this, who we are is exactly, as an exact replication of how we grew up and the cultural melting pot we grew from. Well, we spent a lot of time yeah. talking in Vegas when we were getting to know each other. And we realized we have a mutual friend talk about genre bending in Daryl McDaniels. Ooh, my guy, Daryl. Oh, my goodness. That is Uncle D. Love Daryl. Daryl uh, um, is, we are, we are pretty much uh, the, the living representation of Walk This Way. <laughs> pretty much. And Daryl, uh, I, I, I had a mental health show that I was doing with uh, Danny Warmer Presents. And uh, Daryl uh, jumped on and, and was a guest for it, um, for it, and it's amazing. But we had prior experience with each other um, overall in general. But he's an amazing guy. We happen to literally come from the same neighborhood, share a very similar story, and I didn't realize how much of a metalhead he is. I mean, having those conversations with him, I was like, wow. Like, you don't really, that's one of the things I think should be highlighted whenever they do any kind of documentary or anything about Run DMC because you get all the hip-hop. I, I I have never known that he was such a metalhead until he was explaining it to me. And then he started to realize a lot of the shows he was playing with things that you see him in photos. He's wearing metal band t-shirts all the time. All the time. Like, oh, all the time. And he, he's, he's awesome. He's such an inspiration. And he's and he's been a really good mentor, like just just advising us in different ways and giving it advice because uh, everything we're about to see, he's seen it and he's done it at the most extreme levels and at the lowest levels. He, he knows the business. So. It's really good to have people like that, that you can just kind of tap into because this place is wild. Well, you talk about genre bending. Daryl's been on the show many times. He's been a longtime friend of the show. He was one of those guys that when I met him, I was like, how the hell did I get here? That's (laughs) DMC from Run DMC. Like, oh, my God. But being a, a white woman from the suburbs of Boston, I always grew up with rock and metal. And the hip hop thing got introduced to me through the Beastie Boys and Run DMC. Those were the artists that kind That's of cool. brought it to us. But Daryl has taken the time with me to really teach me that rock music is where they stole all the beats from in the 70s on the vinyl records and that hip hop wouldn't have existed without the influence of those old classic rock songs that you were talking oh, about. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Those are uh, hip hop is heavily influenced by that stuff because at the end of the day, hip hop was created on and 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 underprivileged lower communities. So um there wasn't a lot of instruments. There wasn't a lot of instrumentations. Those are stripped from the schools. Um and so hip hop was created out of necessity. The, the ability to sample is created out of necessity. It's not created out of lack of creativity or lack of musical ability. It's due to the fact that hey, I don't got a guitar. Oh man, I won't have one, but this sample. And then to think of the innovation of being able to say, hey, I'm going to scratch loop this into something that you probably, A, will recognize if your ear is really, really good or won't recognize at all. And I think that's amazing. And to know that um, that that's what, that's what he was sharing with you is incredible because that's one of the parts of hip hop production that gets underrated where it's, um, um, it's only, it's, 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 it's sole existence is based off the limitation of instruments. And so to be able to do that without having an instrument is incredible. And it became, at a time when rock was the mainstream, especially in the the early to mid-80s, it was the music. And then hip-hop kind of unseats it from the throne 
But now to see hip hop kind of cannibalizing itself the way that we were talking about earlier and to see artists now going back and finding roots in rock and roll again. When you see an artist like Post Malone or, I mean, there's so many of them that either perform with a live rock band or are going back and taking inspiration out of rock and roll again. It's really interesting to see how music has come full circle. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm really excited for it because it, it, it's the, 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 the veil is open now. I mean, the veil is broken and creativity can just go. That's that. That's when you're going to get the most beautiful stuff. Like I said, uh, I, it's funny because I, I say this all the time and, um, and I'm good friends with Noah and he, uh, from Bad Omens and he, uh, uh, he, their sound to me always sounds like if the weekend had a metal band. And that's how I, that's how I hear it. And they're, and they, and they're very particular and very, very specific on how they make their music and very like spot on. So it's like, I always respect their craft and what they've done and how they blend the genre. And then you got somebody who like, like sleep token who are also genre bending and doing it. And they also don't sound like bad omens at all. And we don't sound like any of them and no one sounds like anyone else. And that is, that means we're at peak creativity because that means we're not carbon copies of each other, which is amazing, which is what you want. And that's, what's going to push the genre forward. And if someone were to see oxymorons walking down the street <laughs> and they were just going to look at you guys, they would never imagine that you guys are in this genre bending metal <laughs> band, right? Nope. And nope, then you nope. see you on stage opening for Corey Taylor. And <laughs> when I saw you guys that first time play at the House of Blues in Boston, you were the band that everybody left talking about. And you're winning over fans that worship a guy like Corey Taylor. You want to talk about upper levels of metal. Yeah, it's, it's, it, that's why I said all of this is surreal. Uh, we grew up really loving Slipknot and to just be on these tours and like Corey texts me, like we text in the morning, like we're in a group text. It's, it's really wild. And he's also crazy. He's like texting me photos of his shoes and random stuff. We're just really, and he's, he, he treated us so well. Like he's a really great guy. We're just friends. And, and that, and that, and that's, what's awesome about it. Yes. He's a legend. Yes. He's done all of these things, but, uh, and he did that since day one, the minute we were on tour. He, he just treated us like regular people and like just friends. His, his doors were open. He was running around in our dressing rooms, cracking jokes, being ridiculous. It was just like, oh my God, I couldn't believe a legend behaves like this because I thought he was going to be like very serious and like on it. And he was just a goofball <laughs> the whole time. Corey was just bugging out, having a good time. So, and he embraced us. And that's the thing. We don't look metal and because I don't believe metal is a costume. I think it's an essence, it's an ethos, it's something that um you believe in. Just it's just like punk, like or even with our album, it's called Melanin Punk. We don't um call it Melanin Punk because we believe we're a classic punk band. We're not traditional anything. It's just all of these ethos, all of these energies, and all of the messaging behind the music and the culture we represent it and we live it, and it bleeds in, in us. And so we put it in our music, of course. That uh, us without heavy guitars wouldn't be the same band. So it's like the, yeah, we love a lot of different genres. We love a lot. Of Things, but they are core things to who we are and that will always be there thank you for saying that it's not a costume because people that have <laughs> grown up with metal right true metalheads that love the music and everything that goes along with it a little part of our soul dies when we see a kardashian wearing a slayer t-shirt when people try to adopt it as just like 
a costume. It's like, really? Really? On, on that stance, I take the imitation as the greatest form of flattery <laughs> stance it, because that's just like, you got to think about it that way. It's like, eh, if, it, remember, metal's not supposed to be cool. People are not supposed to like it. It's not supposed to be co- pop culture relevant. Um, so if you take the highest of pop culture relevancy and they feel like they need to put a metal shirt on, tap edge and be cool, thank you. Appreciate it. You're not that, but thanks. Thank you for that. Thank you for, for uh, showing our culture and pushing that thing forward because at the end of the day, I think um, we're more misunderstood than anything else. Uh, that's why we're not in front of pop culture because uh, it's, it, it's funny how like I did expect a lot more hate in the metal space and I think I told you that. I did expect a lot more hate in the space, but uh, and I did not get it. We did not get it as a band. We came in expecting like this is going to be horrible, and it was not as not even close to as horrible as we thought it was going to be. In fact, we got a lot more love than we thought. Um, so yeah, like I don't. Um, obviously, there's a lot more space for growth. There's a lot more space for change in the world in general. I think that's just a human thing. But I think uh, metal's in a good place. I think rock in a good place. I think. Guitar-driven music is in a good place because in 2024, I truly believe like we're going to start really, you're going to start seeing it mainstream a lot more. I look at the metal community as like the land of misfit toys, right? That you walk outside of the venue and you can be whatever you want. But when you scan your ticket and you go into that show, regardless of your background or what you look like or your financial status, your religion, any of that. I look at a metal show as church, the place where we all go to feel accepted, no matter how the world treats us on the outside, which is what was so tragic about COVID because it was the place we all get together and we couldn't do it. But I feel like if you're coming into the metal scene with genuine appreciation for the the music and wanting to find your own place in it, the metal community is going to embrace you 110% every time. See, and that, and and you won't you don't get that a lot, and it's and it's weird because I think sometimes uh, we take microcosmic situations and and blow them up because we do like we haven't had a clean slate in metal, but I, I, but in, in what world do you not meet jerks? Like it just. It's on, and, and we also deal with it on the opposite side. Hip hop isn't perfect either. On the opposite side, it's like, hey, we uh, we're 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 too rock for hip hop in some senses, and and we're we're and, and in those spaces where we have educational moments where we're trying to show kids, like, yeah, you can make this kind of music. This kind of music is your music. It's not it's not separated. It's not segregated. It's not any of this stuff. It's music, man. It's frequency. Any and everyone who appreciates it can be involved and can help push it forward. Um, and that's just that's just that's one of the things we represent. It's just a sense of just true community because uh, where, where does the world go without true community, uh, to be completely honest? I think we lack a lot of it now. And you see that. Um, and because between COVID and the Internet, um, people forgot how to be people. People forgot how to be in person. People forgot how to uh, can really connect with each other. And human connection is massive. That's one of my favorite points of playing live shows. It's not just raging the show. It's the energy exchange between all of us. It's, it's, it's incredible. And so hopefully that... Now that we're back, the world's kind of opened up, everything is good, that we'll get way closer to that than where we were in, all, in this digital madness era because it's, it, it's kind of scary, to tell you the truth, um, how much people aren't, don't value being next to each other and being close to each other and, and having things happen in reality. <laughs> it's really crazy. I read an article recently about Corey Glover and Vernon Reed from Living Color 
talking about yes. how they have not been accepted by the hip hop community and the black community for because they make quote white people music. And the fact that all of that still exists when one of the greatest rock guitarists of all time is Jimi <laughs> Hendrix, I just, and that rock and roll comes out of roots of the blues that I just don't understand. I just don't get it. it it's the, it's the programming and the, and the, and, and the initiation of like realistically media, uh, and, and between the night, I would say late 80s or most of the 90s, white was very white front facing. Like, if we'll be honest, we even as a band as oxymorons, if I tell you the things that I hear and um, and and like even the things we've been told, like black black guys making rock music isn't commercially viable. I was told that by a record executive and like I won't say the name, obviously, because I, I could set guys on fire right now, but it's just nuts. It, it, and it was like, but also it was just fuel for us to even do it even more because if you tell me that I go that's nonsense that's not that's not that doesn't even replicate the existence I'm living so in reality what I'm, I'm at these shows and I'm like hey these people so the fans are telling me one thing and the media and the gatekeepers are telling me another and it's just kind of like and that's that split middle that you're seeing where it's like it's been so whitewashed that uh that even black kids don't believe that they can make it or they have any history in it at all because that history really isn't taught in music. So it's like, I learned that history because my dad's music, like my dad played music. Like I'm, my whole life was surrounded by music. So I know, I know the ins and outs of all that musical stuff. So that's why it's like that. So when you hear people be like, oh, that's white people music, that's because um, the, uh, the, the perception of it for a very long time and still now is that. That's exactly what it is to, to just put it in frank. There was a lot of perception back in the day when I started on the air, too, that women couldn't have intelligent conversations about rock and roll on the radio, too. Yeah, I heard about that one. <laughs> I heard about that one. And let's do we even have to address this one. That, like sometimes some of that stuff is really stupid. Like, like that's like it's like if you still if you still believe that stuff and you under a rock and i just i don't even it's like do they still make you they still make those kind of people like that's crazy <laughs> no that's not the way any, i look at that not anymore but that's how long i've been in radio <laughs> and that's and that's cool and then, but and that's what i find it cool even like think about you've been in radio forever and we're doing this interview and all this stuff and when you met us and when we was in vegas you 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 didn't treat us like the young guys that you in the space that don't know what we're doing you you embrace the sound. You embrace the fact that this is what we're doing, and it's something different. So, and that was pretty much everybody in Vegas. That's why it was it was insane because we were nervous. We were nervous to meet all of you. Like we're you're like, oh, you're going to Vegas. You're playing. It's going to be all the program director. You got to crush it. And so the bar was set extremely high. And we yeah, we we do have a great live show, but we we still get nervous. So we just and that, that's also why we came out just guns blazing. There was no. Uh, we didn't even think about it. We just came out guns blazing because it was just like, if we think about it, then we're going to get in our nerves and there's no way we're going to misrepresent what we do at all. So anyway, yeah, we just had to show up for you guys. And like, so, so to hear anything about women not being intelligent enough for anything is like, oh, okay, sir, you should rethink everything. <laughs> rethink your life. And after you've done that, then let's have a discussion about that because you clearly... <laughs> There's a lot of other things in your life that needs to be reworked, but that's the perception you have. It's crazy. I don't even entertain it anymore. I'm just like, you You have a problem, and I'm, I'm more focused on helping you go through this problem you have. <laughs> I treat them like sick individuals, because that's what they are. <laughs> well, let's talk about where 
oxymorons is different. So if you're talking about a traditional rock band, you're talking about a singer, you're talking about a guitar player, you're talking about a bass player and a drummer, maybe a second guitar player, maybe a keyboard player. But when you're talking about the traditional components of rock and roll, that's what most people think. So when you see oxymorons come out with two singers, a guitar player and a drummer, you're like, where's the bass player? What's going on? And then you hear the music. And for me, I'm looking around going, where's the turntables? Because I'm hearing the music and I don't see them. And I don't see them because they're not there. They're not there because we chose to go a couple of different routes. Um, Joe. I'll speak about Joe right now because we we do we did have a bass player. His name is Joe, but he uh, he needed to get a kidney transplant um, as we were soaring, and um, there was a lot going on, and he couldn't tour with us anymore. He couldn't, uh, and instead of replacing him, because the minute that happened, then we start getting into our big moments, and he was there with us. If you look up older pictures, you would see a guy with dreads, and he uh, holding a bass, and that's that's Joe. And so he he needed a kidney transplant, so he couldn't tour, he couldn't do nothing with us no more. So we had to let him. Uh, we had to we had to part ways. But it always felt bad, the fact that, like, with Torrent, we hit over 200 shows. Like, we're, it's happening. And he worked. He, he did all the work and he, with us and didn't get to be here in this moment. So we wasn't going to replace him. So we had Andrew Palmer set up. Like, he built a playback rate for us. And we built all this stuff in the way we could uh, have Joe's. Because all that is live stuff. It's like having Joe without having Joe. Um, it kind of represents him in that space. And then so we saw that because we also have so many other elements that aren't traditional to rock and our music that you have to hear. So the playback rate is also running that. And we just, so so it's like, yes, it's it's that same thing. We do pay homage to what bands are and the history of rock and roll music, but we're going to do it our own way. You know, like we're going to do it our own way. Like we, uh, that's why you don't see, uh, we don't double the guitars. Or if you really pay attention, there's no cabs on our stage at all. We don't have anything on that stage because we're running direct DOI into the house. That's technology things. Those are things from our generation, our era. So we're going to use those. And at the same time, they'll still be really, really good at everything else that the, um, that our greats and the legends pass down to us because that's that's what this is about. It's not about sounding like them. It's not about sounding like the old great rock bands back in the days. It's about taking a taste and then doing that and then doing that. Now, thank you, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, and like, as you can hear, rock music is black people music. But I'm just on this interview. But I thank you. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, I understand you. Absolutely. So, exactly. So, so yeah, if that's something you want to do, do it. It's, 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 that's what it's all about. That's the whole point of everything we do. It's, it's, exactly. It's frequency. Thank you. I appreciate you. I'm going to jump back to this interview. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. See, it's just. You better get used to that you, happening more and more all the time, dude. It's just, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's just to get used to that. But that's it. Yeah, that's just different. And uh, yeah, so I don't even remember where I was. But yeah, that's, it's, it's all of this. It's all of the things you see. Oh, yeah, it was Joe. So then we had Joe. And that's why you see we perform and do the things we do because we're blending the old and the new in every way possible from the technology that's used that we have available, readily available to us. And then to also be able to um, play and do the things like our predecessors at the end of the day. And, and, that's, and, and we hear it like we, like, like we hear old rock dudes all the time. And even Corey, Corey's like, what? Da, 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 da. And then we explain it to him like, oh, this is what it is. He's like, oh, 
I'm like, yeah, Corey, it's not that. Because I think a lot of rockers associate that with lack of ability or lack of talent when it's not the case at all. Because everything you're hearing, we played. It's just we don't have enough people. And also, guess what? It's a lot more financially viable, too, in this in this day and age. It's really difficult as musicians to be able to pay six guys travel. I live in New York City. Are you, do you know what it costs to be? <laughs> this band isn't like as lucrative as it should be yet, obviously. And, and it's just that. So um, there's a lot of other factors than that bands do these things. Then, hey, we don't know how to play something, so we're going to fake it. That's not true at all. Like, we, we, we play it. I'm checking live. You'll know the difference. It gives you a greater appreciation for Corey's other band and having <laughs> nine guys in Slipknot and managing all of that. That's why he needs nine guys. You hear all that stuff you're hearing? Somebody has to be playing that, right? So not, you know, do you know really what it takes to tour with not a band team of nine? Just the band is nine? That's, in, that's, that bill is insane. Like that, 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 I'm, I'm thinking of what it costs just for us. And we're four. He has five more players plus crew plus everybody else. It's insane. That, and I think sometimes that's where the fan disconnect comes from. Because obviously they don't, they don't experience those parts, so they don't really wouldn't know those parts firsthand of like the business aspect of like some of these decisions that are made aren't always creative ones, they're logistical ones. Well, it has nothing to do with the number of band members either, because you look at the guys in Rush, there's only three of them and they're making a shit ton of music. Look at that. Exactly. And those, those guys are incredible. And you'll never know who's doing what and what's what in the creative scenario. Because when I learned Caleb from there, who does everything, he plays everything. He's he's he, He's Prince. He's Metal Prince. That's who he is. He plays everything. That's incredible. That's nuts. He's legitimately. And, and so I think some of the most, some of the bands that impress me the most are the ones that are willing to take chances and be themselves and do something different. And, uh, and, I, and I'm just hoping the old rockers who, who by, by most have shown us nothing but love, by the way, I want to make sure that's clear. We've got a lot of love um, from a lot of guys. Randy from Lamb of God. Every, a lot of people have shown us love. Um, it's just so that older rockers understand like, you were once us. Remember that. Because when you were making your stuff, that was groundbreaking. That is groundbreaking. That was changing the scope. The older folks were looking at you like you were crazy. <laughs> so think about that when you're thinking about us. That's all it is. It's, we're just, it's just a changing of the guard. That's it. That's What's crazy it to me is that I've been around for so long that I did one of Slipknot's first interviews ever. That's crazy. And now they're eligible for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Didn't know that. They should if Slipknot don't get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, burn the whole thing down. Burn the whole thing. Just just throw the whole list. Throw the whole list away. Just throw it away. It would make no sense for that. What they've contributed is like it goes without saying. That's that it shouldn't even be a question. It's 25 years from the date of the release of your first album. So they now qualify for induction. Oh my goodness! And the, and the votes are going to go through the roof. They, they're, they're, the 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 I, I just don't. I really don't see that. If that doesn't happen, I'll be shocked and and heartbroken. I will be shocked and heartbroken because it, it should. I just want to see the performance at the induction ceremony <laughs> and all of those corporate people horrified when Clown and Corey get into it. I can't wait. It's got to happen someday. Oh, rattle some corporate suits. They'll be all right. They could they let go of the 38th floor syndrome for a little bit. <laughs> they could come hang out with the underdwellings. <laughs> One no, of the, they'll, be, they'll be fine. <laughs> One of the things that I took away from your performances, well, two things. One, that you spell oxymoron with two R's because they're free. 
Yes, they are. They are absolutely free. Same thing with Carrie. And, two R's because they're yeah, free. Uh, well, yeah. Well, we spelled it with two R's because we uh, we had a little trouble negotiating um, the one the, the one R name with the original oxymorons. Um, so we decided, hey, we're not going to pay the ridiculous fee that we were told to pay, which is 25 grand. Not really a thing a band is trying to shell out, especially a young one. What are we talking about here, guys? And um, um, so we decided that we were just going to put an extra R on it because, like you said, R's are free. <laughs> and so we decided we're going to be oxymorons with two R's. And so we've been raging ever since that way. And we actually got love from the original oxymoron. So that was awesome when we played Germany. Uh, the bus driver on Ghost Kids bus was, uh, was friends, is friends with the original band and was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. And actually hit him up like, hey, you guys did this? This sucks. Because he was a really good dude. <laughs> and then he got the story like, no, no, such and such was going through a hard time and all this other stuff. There was so much things going on. So, and, but love was set. In the, in the nutshell, and, and, and it's awesome because that's what this is all about. And that's what I mean about community. It's all good. There's never, nothing is forever. So why latch onto it in any kind of way? So it's been, it's been cool. So yeah, we're two R's, not one. And the other thing that struck me is when you guys started talking about your backgrounds and the law oh. degrees. Because one of the things I always ask bands is, there's got to come a time where you sit down with your folks and you tell them you want to be a musician and your parents had these dreams of you becoming a doctor or a lawyer and you tell them you want to be a rock star and they're like, oh, and you guys did that and then you took it away from them. Listen, man, listen, it's, we said it, it's in the blood. You could, you, we could try to pretend this isn't who we are. We could try our best to assimilate into the rest of the world. It doesn't work. So, and I understand why. So my parents, my mom did not, this music is not going to be, it's not, she doesn't, she doesn't think it's a viable career plan. And she's right, rightfully so. We are insane to think that we're going to jump into a business that has a 2% success rate and we're going to fall into that 2%. But we don't care. We love this. <laughs> Right, we're gonna go in with a with the possibility of with a ninety eight percent possibility of losing. So, so she was like, "No, we're not gonna do that." So I went to law school, got my degree. All of us got various different degrees. Maddie uh, went to NYU. He's from music technology, and so we all did that. And then said, "Hey, told you we could do it. Now we gotta go through this." And that's literally what I told my mom, showing her the, like the mandate office paperwork, and I was just like, "Hey, I can do this." I told you I could do this. I got the degree you wanted. Now let me go do this because I think I can do this too. So she's really, really proud of me right now. She's really proud at the fact that uh, she was like, I just, I, I wanted something and I'm working for it. And that's, that's what she taught me my entire life. If you ever want anything, nothing worth anything is ever going to be easy, but it's always worth it if you, if you earn it. So that's what I've always done. I talked to Clint Lowry from Seven Dust a while ago, and I've known Ooh. those guys for a thousand years and they've had their ups and downs with labels, managers, all of that kind of stuff. And I asked him, can you, you know, if you could go back and give advice to your younger self, you know, what, what do you wish you could have done differently? And what he said was, I wish that we had one or two people in the band that was better at reading contracts and legal documents. And you guys are custom built with that ability. Um, well, it comes in, it, it, it comes in and, and, and as a bonus, um, being able to redline a contract before uh, you send it to your lawyer, it send you a lot of money. 
save you a lot of money. Um, and also multiple eyes on things and multiple legal perceptions on things um, is how things get done properly. So being able to have that knowledge and also we're in meetings, not um, not like your average band. We're not uh, really thinking about things in a way of like just the creative side. We're really strong tenfold in on the business aspect. You can even ask Ron for mascot, like he's my guy. We deliberated for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> about the back and forth and I love I love I love them. Thanks for the radio program and sorry we were such hard asses during the during the uh the actual um um negotiation phase. It was just that's just how it is. And uh, we 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 look at things this way and we get that we were told that all the time. Um bands uh don't normally operate the way we operate. Um um yeah, because normally it's not that most most of the time it's a creative space where most most musicians went to school for music or something creative, whereas I was forced to go the opposite direction. Um and like rightfully so. I'm I'm just pretty good at it. I like it. And it's not like I wasn't forced to the point where I was doing something I can't stand. I think law is interesting. I think our government system is very, very interesting. Um so and I've always liked it. So why not uh, jump and get a degree in that space to cover me just in case I don't fall in, I don't land into the two percent. Now that I got you on the show, I got to ask you some of the questions that I always ask the bands that come on. So first of all, you spend a lot of time on the road. You stop in the middle of the night at a truck stop somewhere. What's the go-to thing when you stop at a truck stop in the middle of the night? And what's the weirdest thing you guys have ever brought on the bus that you grabbed in a truck stop? Because truck stops at 3 a.m. are insanely fun. Oh, my God. Oh, we've got a couple. I think... I think my, my go-to at any stop at any given time, anywhere is gummy bears. Listen, there, there, there are certain things that I will absolutely, and you can always get a macros, truck stops, but you got to pick the right flavors. I highly, I highly endorse. Uh, yes, I'm using the word endorse. <laughs> I highly endorse black forest gummy bears, please. And anytime you want to debate on this, hit me, I'm online. It's me. We don't have an intern. It's me. I will, I will absolutely debate you with factual evidence. And think about who you're debating, too. It's not just a musician. What is it with with guys with gummy? Why do guys love gummy candy so much? Um, Because they were pretty, you got, women have been stuffing them in our faces since we like children. How do we not like them? Think about that. You've been eating them since you're three. That's why we all love gummy bears. It's like you, you force the addiction on us, parents. You force the addiction on us, and have no, and, and, and no, don't remember. My mom says the same thing. Why you like so much gummy bears? And she bought them for me all the time at the store, mom. That's why I love. <laughs> uh, give me, give me your uh, worst Spinal Tap moment on stage, where something just mm. ridiculous went wrong that was totally you know, getting trapped in a pod. Have you guys had that yet? Has somebody fallen off oh. the stage yet? No, we haven't had fallen on the stage. We had uh, uh, the power go out. We rocked so hard. Actually, the first show of the of the, the Corey show, by the time we were playing, we, we were in mid through Green Vision and the whole time building. <laughs> we had to stop, talk for a little bit in the dark. We had a moment and then we went right back to it. <laughs> That was crazy. So that was a nuts one. Um, but I think the one of the toughest was uh, I had a, a I had this little skull on my shoe, um, and I like throw little trinkets all over me when I'm performing. It's it's cool. I like the way it looks. Function wise, that day it it it, it sunk me. Uh, that skull had a little chain around it. That little chain around the skull. I don't know how this happened. Wrapped around the mic cord. <laughs> that, that that said, mic cord decided to say, "Hey, Dave, you're not going anywhere." And you've seen our live show, how much we move. 
And I didn't know that at first, so I almost took a... I'm talking, if I didn't catch my balance, I was flying literally off the stage, and it was one of those stages where it was really, really, really hot. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. But I was full. We figured it out. No one knew that was happening. No one even knew. And then I got Trey's attention, Trey's RTM, and he literally came on stage with a knife and cut it off of me. And then we went back to rock. <laughs> Uh, what was your first concert ever? Oh, my goodness. My first concert ever. First rock concert, oh. first any concert. doesn't matter. Oh, first any concert ever was uh, was Kanye West, uh, which is funny. It was um, an hour. The, my, the funny thing is, first con- uh, concert ever was Kanye West, but why it was special to me wasn't even about Kanye. Um, I can't, we came for Kanye, whatever I was brought before Kanye, but, um, he, uh, um, John Legend opened and he played Ordinary People. And I, if you know that song and it was like, that was the first time I ever heard it. I was the first time it was at first of everything. And I was in there blown away by him on a classic, just like grand piano, nothing else. And the way he galvanized, I, I think we were upstate, we were in Utica, New York. And I just, I, I remember getting taken to the concert and like, and I was just blown away. And I was young and I was thinking like, yo, this is, wow. I've never experienced anything. I, I didn't see a voice carrying that kind of way live. And then I, I, it made me fall in love with music even more. And that's what, so I tell people that story and they're they like, what? It wasn't even about Kanye. No, he was all John Legend, who opened the show, was next to the level. I never saw anything like that in my life. John Legend could sing the panties off a nun. Uh, easily. We, I used to, you know what I call him? There's, there's certain people. There's him. There's uh, uh, Bruno Mars. There's certain people that I go, don't leave these guys with your girlfriends. This is, these are those, they're on that list. No matter how cool you are, they're cooler and they know exactly what to say. <laughs> exactly. I, I preface this question by saying that I never would have asked such a ridiculous question. And then Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath let it slip that he had 13 cats and five dogs. And when I asked him how he keeps track of all of them and how he comes up with names, Geezer Butler told me that he names all of his pets after gangster rappers. That's cr- okay. I need to know these names now. Oh my God! Like and like all of them, Missy Elliott, Biggie, all of them, and he rattled down a list of hip hop artists that he names all of his cats and dogs after. Oh, that's great! That, why is that not written everywhere? Why is that not publicized more? These are that's the things crazy. you that's learn awesome. on the Mistress Carrie podcast. That's why. So now oh I ask every artist what they name their pets, and I call it the Geezer Butler question because of it. Oh my goodness! I, I, I'm mad that I didn't think of that and name my pets like that. Like my my dog was is Karma. I mean, I mean, like I thought I went with the karmic name, not not like that. That's wild. That's amazing. And I like the fact he threw Missy Elliott in there. That's a fun one because Look Alive. Uh, the way I uh, my voice cadence on the second verse of that is inspired completely by Missy. That's who I I, I, I said when we were in the studio recording the song in my mind when I was going to write that verse. I said, "What would Missy do on this record? What would she? How would she attack this?" And then I attacked it like she would. <laughs> so she she she's very influential. We were talking about you know women fighting to get into genres, and for me as a woman in rock, 
not knowing the idiosyncrasies of the hip hop community, I look at Missy Elliott as being a vanguard, somebody that just oh. kicked doors open. So when she got nominated for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I was like, she's got to get in there. Another one, because I don't think people realize how much she wrote, how much of a writer she is, how incredible she she just she's an incredible artist. Like uh, even I, I couldn't I can't even limit her into like, yeah, most of her success was hip hop. But like it's just her pen, her ability, her 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 her, uh, her talent. It, it just it speaks for itself. And that's why melodically everything she does, she's influenced so many artists. Even Lil Wayne, I said it. Lil Wayne says it all the time how much he has inspired and influenced by Missy. So um, to have a woman of her caliber, as we say again, to, people say women don't have, shouldn't have a voice in things. Do y'all realize, guys, like, let's be real. Let's, let's think about, let, let's put it out here, guys. Erase women. Erase them. How would this world be? I tell people all the time, <laughs> rock and roll wouldn't exist if women weren't bitches. You guys just keep writing Yo. songs about us. Yo, that everything, it would be a bunch of smelly dudes running around fighting each other. That's what they would be doing. Because most <laughs> we buy we buy nice cars, we put on clothes and cologne, all of these things to attract women. We don't, we don't, you don't buy cologne and be like, oh my God, I'm just gonna love this. <laughs> like that's not like that's not guys, we don't do that. We really don't do that. So let's stop lying to ourselves about this world that women don't <laughs> revolve in. Like, like, what are we talking about? Like every <laughs> the point that we are here relies on them. So how, let's just just throw this whole concept out the window because it's ridiculous. You guys just came through the holidays. Um, what tradition, what meal, what music, what says the holiday season for you? Um Honestly, something um, something recent uh, has been spiking the holidays because my fiance's uh, birthday is Christmas Eve, um, and then so um, so we we've spent a lot of time going up to our families um, and, uh, and and in Italian tradition we were making like pizzas and stuff like that from scratch. So that's my new thing um, that I've been enjoying. Um, it's been insane, and it's cool just to see them how it's made, how it's pressed making them from scratch or dad presses them and we've, we do it. And it's, it's been incredible. So that right now is the, is the new Christmas tradition other than growing up where my uncle would dress as Santa Claus and get it crazy. In it. And we always say that as far as tradition, my, and my household and my, um, on my side of the family, uh, we always open our grips at midnight on Christmas Eve. So like literally at midnight, everyone stays up. The kids who can actually, uh, stay up, like actually not fall asleep, get to open their gifts and extra early. So that, so that's always been the tradition, but the new one is Pitzels right now. I'm so glad that you love Pitzels because anise flavoring, that's what Christmas tastes like to me. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you cannot beat it. Um, they're amazing and really, I gotta relax because I can't be gaining that kind of way. Italians, y'all like, y'all, oh my goodness. Oh my, oh my goodness. You're marrying into an Italian family. You're going to eat well for the rest of your life. Oh, won't stop feeding me. I have, you have to run from food. You have to literally run from food. <laughs> and we're going to cook for you if we're mad at you, if we're sad, if we're happy, like depressed, overjoyed. It doesn't matter. We cope with every human emotion through food. And, and I have learned this. I have learned this and that's why I have to stay extra active. <laughs> you just got to be careful because we've got a fiery temper that goes with it. Oh, oh come on. if you think I haven't met that one already. 
It's already here. I'm, I'm, I'm fully signed up. I know what I'm signing up are for. Are you getting married this year? Can we expect a wedding this year or are you not going to have yes, time? I, yes, that's what we're trying to plan it now. Trying to plan a wedding in the mix of touring uh, nonstop is really nuts. Um, but, you know, that's that's life. Um, one of the things I've learned, uh, life doesn't stop for you. And so um, if the things you want to do, you just have to do them. Um, yeah. I know a lot of musicians, we always fall under the veil of like, hey, um, regular life things will happen after we blow up when in all actuality, like it can happen simultaneously. Like yeah. you could live your life. Um, it's all part of it. And plus it'll mix with some good music anyway. Um, <laughs> what's the, what's the plan for the band in 2024? I'm assuming we're going to get some concert announcements soon. Oh yeah. You're going to get a lot of concert announcements. Um, just, we're going to be touring, pushing look alive a lot more. Um, um, there's, there's different renditions, different things, a lot of, a lot of cool things coming a lot of music. So, um, there's a couple of things that I'd like to say, and I would like to announce and say things about, but I can't. So I'm going to And I'm really bad at keeping secrets, thus the microphone. So don't exactly. tell me anything you don't yeah, want don't people to know. I think this is the right place to keep a secret. Um, <laughs> don't think that's where it is. But uh, no, we have a lot of plans. You, you will get some more music. You will get uh, just a lot, a lot of visuals, um, uh, a, a new story. We're, we're just, we've got a lot to say. Uh, we've experienced a lot um, in the last two years. And um, yeah, it's just... You'll see, you'll, you'll see some transitions and you'll hear some things that you'll really, really love. And before I let you go, I ask every songwriter on the show because I'm fascinated by the gift of songwriting, the process, which I just do not possess. So can you give me an example of a song by any genre, any artist, any era, that doesn't matter, that you think is a perfectly crafted song? And break it down as to why you think it's perfectly written, like a song you wish you wrote. Oh my God, this is a good question. Thank a song. You. Oh my God, this is a good question. A song I wish I wrote. Huh? This is actually good. Uh, a song I wish I wrote. This is a hard one because I go. There's so many songs that I love and I think are perfect, but I gotta pick one. I mean, you can pick two if you want, but 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 from a songwriter's perspective, you gotta tell me why you think it's perfectly written. Oh, why well, I think it's perfectly written. Okay, let's narrow down the song. Let's just get the song, and then the reason why I think it's perfectly written. What do I think is a perfect song in my eyes? I'm trying to think of songs that make me feel a particular way. Um, which song would I give it to him? For music heads, it's hard because music, music's there for us in every instance of our lives, right? So it's like there's yeah, there's a song really you listen hard. to when you're happy or sad or that's like, what I'm that's what I'm going. I'm like, and they all have their reasons and they're all perfect in their own right. Is there an artist you can turn to for every emotion? There's a song for one artist. Ooh, ooh, for every emotion. Yeah, like everybody's got songs from multiple artists, depending on how you're feeling. But is there one artist, group, whatever, that no matter how you're feeling, they've got a song for that? I would say N.E.R.D. Yeah? Yeah, N.E.R.D. They uh, they have an album called Seeing Sounds. And um, no matter what, anytime my mood shifts, there is a song on that album that I'm playing. Um, seriously, seeing sounds, and it is also when you talk about the reason why I think it uh, that album in itself. But um, there's a, a song called Love Bomb 
on that song and love bombing it and the way it starts it's such a wave musically like it starts um with just classical whiffs and waves of just like it's ambiance and then it gets really really heavy then war drums coming through so it's just it's just this experience of how it flows through an entire wave of music and then at the end it explodes and it explodes in a beautiful way that's why it's called love bomb and the way the song is built always just like brings me there so uh when you think about that so yeah it would be nrd's love bomb um and it would be from seeing sounds because that album in itself uh literally um uh is how i see music I see the sounds like so you, you feel it, but sometimes you can it, it, it's coming off of you. Whenever I'm in a songwriting mode, and they just I don't control where it comes from. That's one of the things I don't really have a, a pattern. Um, they just happen at their moments. Like a lot of records we have we've written. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be on the train, or I'll be in the bathroom, I'll be, it, it just comes. Or I'll be out literally at a party, and then I just escape into another room, and I'm like voice note or something, and I'm like, oh no, later on, this is going to be incredible. So those kind of things is, uh, is what light me up about songwriting. The mere fact that, um, for me, it's not a pattern. For me, it's just a true uh, experience and expression of whatever I'm feeling in a moment, and I just capture it, and I try to spread it out. Wait, do you have synesthesia? Do you see colors when you hear yeah. music? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do, all the time. And what's crazy is uh, my younger brother does 2KI in the band, and he, uh, when we would talk about it, um, it was something weird at first. At first, I used to think it was like a delusion, like kind of like weird things, but it's just how well-connected you are with frequency and how that touches you. So uh, you can, once the, the vibrations, you feel them, they resonate off when you see them. So do you see it. colors? Like, do you see colors? What do you, what do you see when you hear the music? Sometimes it's not specific colors. It's sometimes just like uh, shades or, or, or like, if I could like to say the, the the most the most of the time is uh, when I know I'm in I'm in it. It's heat. It's heat. It kind of radiates, and it's and it's it's kind of like it, it's this excitement that you're getting, and that's what. And so the colors come from being so excited and being so gone, so in the zone of your moment, where your eyes kind of like it's kind of like when you're in the zone. People say, "Oh, he's zoned out." Yeah, I'm zoning out, so I'm here, but I'm not really here. So everything I'm seeing is something else, and I'm just forging wherever that's. In the spirit world that's coming from is I'm forging that and then I'm just pushing it out. That's really what this is. And we talk about it all the time. We're, um, when we're on stage, when you, in fact, the very show you were at, I, uh, in Vegas, I, um, I, I got off that stage. I can tell you a thing we did prior. I can tell you a thing we did prior. It's just, it's a zone. There's a, there's a certain state and we call it God mode. That's what we call it. When it just clicks and you're no longer there, you're gone and you're just, you're just going, and um, that's my favorite place to be. If I end the show and I can't remember anything, um, it's normally because we had a really good show. <laughs> that's really interesting. I mean, the rumor is that Hendrix had synesthesia too. And yeah, we. I've heard a lot of people. Um, Pharrell. There's this. There's, there's a lot of different artists they say have it. And normally, they're really, really great and really, really insane. And but I just think I think all people have it. I think we all do. It's a, it's how how much it, in, in touch we are with that side and how much that we are aware of it, because also all people have singing voices. You just have to find yours. Um, we all can sing. Now, see, yeah, exactly. We all can sing. Have you, have you heard this? I promise you, if you worked, you would find your singing voice. Um, I, was told I, I, I was told I wasn't a natural singer. In fact, I didn't sing at all for a very long time. Um, and then um, uh, people were just like, obviously, it's my brother, my younger brother. I love that dude. Love K.I. And he was like, dude, like, you got this. And we, it was this uh, documentary about Ray Charles how um, he doesn't have a natural singing voice at all. In fact, when um, people would c consider Ray Charles not a singer because singers are normally um, judged by range, um, not tone. 
And that's the thing. That's what I mean. We all have same. We all don't have the same range. No, we don't. We all can't hit the same things, but we all have our own singing tone. And when you find yours, that's when you sit in this beautiful space. And that's where Ray Charles did. He found his own tone and no one sounds like him. He can't, he can't hit ranges like a, a Beyonce or someone crazy like that. But we all know that sound is undeniable. Like, you don't, you don't even have to be looking at them when they come on, click, boom, reach up. Like, and that's what I mean. So we all have that. You just have to find it. Yeah. Well, I challenge you your next birthday when I call you to sing happy birthday for you to tell me <laughs> how beautiful my tone is. I got you. Because my husband has heard it and anybody that knows me well enough, when I call somebody to wish him a happy birthday, they never pick up. So I have to, <laughs> so no, they do it. So I sing on their voicemail and then they have the evidence of how badly I sing forever. No, we're going to have to work that. That's our job. We're going to change that. We're going to help you find your singing tone and you will call people and you will live, you will leave all blissfully awesome Voice messages and no longer air bleed. No more, no more air bleeds for people. We'll, that we'll is my New Year's resolution for 2024. <laughs> no, no more voicemail air bleeds, and you will <laughs> sing it. You will sing it. We're not going to tell you. We're not going to say you're going to be able to start a band, but people won't cry anymore when you do voice <laughs> You're a better magician than David Blaine if you can pull that shit off. Listen, David, I'm coming for the slot. Coming for the slot. <laughs> David to David, I'm coming for the fly. <laughs> it was so good to see you, Dave. Thank you so Absolutely. much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Your energy uh, radiates. Please keep radiating. Please keep being you. You're special, straight up. Thank you. And I can't wait to find out when you guys are going to be in town again. I can't wait to see you again. Absolutely. It'll be soon. We'll be announcing soon. And we will be in town. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Happy New Year. Same to you. Same to you. Enjoy. Be well. There he is, Dave D. Bellevue from Oxymorons. Their new album, Melanin Punk, is available everywhere. And you can check out the new single, Look Alive. You'll find it on the corresponding playlist for this episode. Just check the links in the show notes. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features my guest music and all the songs and artists that we referenced in the interview. You'll also find all of Oxymoron's links and all the Mistress Carrie links as well. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep, which is all of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates in about five minutes. And you never know when we're gonna release a bonus episode. You can catch me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page for my weekly video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And as always, you can always listen to me on the radio. Get the details on all that and more at mistresscarry.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.